We have been working through Habakkuk. Going to take a break from that. And I guess that comes for a couple reasons. One, just striving to be sensitive to God. Sometimes God directs a little different. And many have faced trials along the way in the last few years. Results in a temptation to be anxious. Many of you are facing trials in the present. And in the future, we'll face trials and just seeking to be sensitive to the Lord. And as we begin this morning, I would like you to think about a situation that you face. You're currently facing that might tempt you to be anxious. Situation you're facing, or maybe situations might tempt you to be anxious, where you worry, you fret. And I would like for you to follow that situation throughout the sermon this morning. When I say follow it, I occasionally will say, now stop and think about what you thought about earlier. So whatever it may be, I'm not going to ask you to share it later, but uh, so that we're not merely discussing Scripture, but we're seeking to live it out. But let's take our Bibles and turn to Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. Some may be very familiar with verses 6 and 7, but we're going to be reading verses 4 through 7. The overall theme of Philippians would be joy and also unity. Joy is emphasized. Unity among believers is emphasized. I think also throughout the book you find God working. God says he has begun a good work. He continues that. You also find the thrust on just knowing Christ. But Philippians 4 and verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, notice several things about the text. There's an order or progression. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident. The Lord is near. And then not, then don't be anxious. They seem to build one an, upon one another. And these four verses seem to be a unit. You know, they go together in some ways, maybe a little different subject. But it's kind of like building a house. You do not put the rafters on first. You start with a foundation and you go up. It's most like Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near, and then don't be anxious. But he begins in verse 4 with rejoice. The idea of rejoice is an imperative, present imperative. It's a command. It means a lifestyle, day after day. And the word rejoice simply means to be glad, to be joyful. Be joyful, be glad. Where? In the Lord. The term Lord is referring to owner, the one who is sovereign, the one who is the master. Be glad. Be joyful in the Lord. 
If you go back to chapter 1 and verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion under the day of Christ. Rejoice in the Lord, the one who began a good work in the believers in Philippi, began a good work in us. In chapter 2 and verse 1, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, who are we dealing with? Comfort in God's love. In chapter 2, 12 and 13, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. God began a good work. He's continuing to work in the lives of the Philippians, continuing to work in the life of believers today. Rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again. Rejoice. Part of rejoicing in the Lord, I think, is to reflect on his names, reflect on his attributes, reflect on his works down through history. Rejoice. Where? In the Lord. And then he says in verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. What does it mean to be gentle? Gentle is the attitude which accepts all dealings from others, circumstances, and God as being useful and profitable. Accepting all circumstances from others, accepting all dealings, whether it be from others, whether it be the circumstances we face, or from God as being useful and profitable. Thus, one does not demand his or her own rights, does not demand a certain outcome, does not try to control, but responds for the benefit of God's glory and those involved. Gentleness. A good thing comes into our life. We accept it. We don't fight it. A negative, we think, comes into our life. We don't fight it. We accept it. We don't resist it. We don't demand our rights. We don't try to control. But we yield to God, accepting that which happens as coming through God's loving hands. He knows. He is in control, and he is working. He already said in Philippians 1 and verse 6, being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will continue it under the day of Jesus Christ. In chapter 2, 12 12 and 13, he said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it is God who is working in you. So what comes into our life, he says, take with gentleness, accept it, Because God is aware. It has come through his loving hands. Thus a yieldedness, a surrender, an accepting. Let your gentleness, he says, be evident to all. 
When he talks about letting your gentleness be evident to all, the evident to all is in the passive sense, tense in the sense that as we are gentle, others will automatically know that we're accepting it because it'll be evident in our life. They'll know, they'll discern, they'll conclude that one is learning to rely on God. You think about Jesus going to the cross. In the garden, he surrendered his will to the Father. And what happened? It's almost like the trial and the crucifixion were a piece of cake. His gentleness, his accepting it was evident. Think about King David before he became king. He was anointed king, but it was years later that he became king. Saul pursued him. And on two different occasions, he had the opportunity to kill Saul. And in both cases, he said, I can't. Even though Saul was pursuing him, he would not kill him. He responded with gentleness. So Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And then he says, the Lord is near. Again, Lord is master, the one who is sovereign. Near is just close at hand. He's not distant. Philippians 1 and verse 6. Being confident of this who has begun a good work and you will continue it on the day of Jesus Christ. He's there. He's at work. Think about the situation that you thought of earlier. He's there. The Lord is near. Did you ever go through a time in life where you thought, where's God? He's distant. No, he's near. The Lord is near. He's close at hand. He is not distant. The entire Godhead, in fact, is close. Where's God? He's near. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentleness be evident to all. <clears throat> the Lord is near. And then he says, do not be anxious about anything. <clears throat> do not be anxious about anything. <clears throat> Anxious is an interesting word. Basically means the dividing the mind. The mind going in a thousand different directions. So you go through something, you're tempted to be anxious. What about tomorrow? Well, what about this? Well, what about that? What about the next thing? Your mind's going a thousand different directions. It's expending careful thought in 50 different directions. And it's to have your thoughts occupied with the past, the present. What's going to happen in the future? What's going to happen to my kids? What's going to happen to my job? You know, the mind going through all kinds of things. Now, the situation I asked you to think about earlier, if you have an anxious mind, it goes many directions. Might be about people, might be about self, it might be about a circumstance, it might be a, about a decision, but going in many different directions. 
two illustrations of what it means to have a divided mind to be anxious. Suppose you took a bag of feathers and you took it outside on a nice windy day and you dumped the feathers out on the ground. You said, now I'm going to put all these back in the bag. Remember, it's windy. So you chase this one. And by the time you're ready to grab it, it goes another one. You think, well, I'll get this one. And they're all over the place. That's anxious. Thoughts just scattered all over. Another illustration. Would someone like to play 160 card pickup with me? Here's the anxious. You don't need to pick them up now. You can get them later. That's anxious. 160 cards there. Your mind is scattered all over the place. You ever been there? Paul says, don't be anxious. Apparently he recognizes that we struggle. So he says, rejoice in the Lord. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And then he says, don't be anxious about anything. But. But is a contrast. What do you put in place of anxious? He's going to tell us. What you put off is anxious. What do you put on? He says, in everything. All those thoughts that are going through your mind in 160 different directions. He says, in everything, with prayer. Prayer is a general term for talking to God. In everything, by prayer, and then he uses the word petition. Petition means to bind, to pronounce, to declare, to be binding. What are you doing? You're tying something up and you're putting it in a box. So anxious is having the cards all over the place. Petition is taking all these blocks which are spread out, putting them in this container. If I can get them all in, we'll delete a couple. And putting on the lid. You're taking all these thoughts that are going 50 different directions, 100 different directions. You bind them together. Or you take this stack of cards. It's bound together. All these thoughts going in 100 different directions. You take them. You bind them together. And what does he say? With thanksgiving, being grateful that you have freedom in coming to God. Coming to God and doing what? Presenting your request to God. You're surrendering to God control. Any demand you have, any outcome, the future, and you just talk to God.
you present this bound together, going in 160 different directions, you present them to God. You present your desire to God. You present your request, your petition. So there's a rejoicing. There's a gentleness. There's a willingness to bind together because the Lord is near and you talk to God, the creator of the universe. The one who began a work and continues to work in your life. How often do you do that? As often as necessary. As often as the brain is scattered and going in many different directions. But it's interesting, he says in verse 7, and the peace of God. See, the item of anxiety that you may be thinking about, you present to God and the peace of God. You may go through a sickness. You share your frustrations, your worry with God. Your need for wisdom. You may have a major change in life. And you again share with God. You may lose a job. You may have a relational struggle. Binding together all those thoughts. And talking to God. And the peace of God. Peace of God involves tranquility. There's unity. The heart is not divided. The mind is not divided. Anxious, going many different directions. The peace of God, one direction of rest in God. God is sovereign. God is in control. He's my shepherd. It's the opposite of, again, of anxious. Rather than going in many directions, there's a unity of heart. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Transcends means to surpass, to excel, to stand out above. Now illustrate that with a cup. I can fill this cup with this punch and say it's full. Paul is saying the peace of God transcends all understanding. It can't be grasped. It can't be understood. The peace of God excels. It stands out above all understanding. And understanding is referring to the mind, the intelligence, the human ability to figure something out. He says humans cannot figure out, understand, grasp, or explain the peace of God. There's a tranquility, there's a calmness, there's a oneness of soul that can't be grasped. 
Turn with me to Psalm chapter 3. David is called a man after God's own heart. David, we know, ran from Saul for many years. David, we know, took another man's wife, committed immorality with her, had a child by that woman. We also know that he was guilty of having Uriah murdered. And as a result of that, if that wasn't enough, his one son raped his daughter. You know, a half-brother raped a brother raped his half-sister. And then another son had the one who did the raping killed. He didn't do it, but he had him killed. And then we know that Absalom tried to take over the kingship. And it is in the context of David fleeing from his sons, a broken, messed up family, fleeing from Absalom because Absalom is going to take over. Notice what is stated in Psalm 3. O Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying to me, God will not deliver him. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head, or my, yeah, my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Arise, O Lord, deliver me. O my God, strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Can you imagine a man who ran for his life for years? He became king. As king, he fought many battles, had many victories. He took another man's wife, committed immorality with her, had a child by her. The child dies. Having children where one rapes another. One of your sons kills another. And then a son takes over, wants to take over the kingship. And you go to bed and sleep like a baby. That's a peace that passes all understanding. Back in Philippians 4. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard, will watch, and in essence build a wall around you, put you in a condition of restraint, will guard your hearts. <clears throat> hearts referring to the seat of emotions, the intermental frame- framework, your impulses, your desires. It'll protect you emotionally. And guard your minds, referring to the intellect, the ability to think. (coughs) We'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The one to whom you're united to. According to Philippians 2 and verse 1. The one who is the head of the body.
Rejoice in the Lord. Let your gentleness be evident. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious, but rather pray. Bind all those anxious thoughts together. Present them to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Beyond human comprehension. A couple applications. Choices are involved on at least two levels. First of all, a lifestyle level. Where you set the course of your life. You come to a point in life and you say, Lord, I want my life to be one of rejoicing in you. Letting, your, letting gentleness be evident. Reflecting on the fact that you're near and not being anxious. I want this as a direction of my life. Day after day after day after day after day. And you run into an obstacle. I will rejoice. I will be gentle. The Lord is near. I will choose not to be anxious. Lord, that's the direction I want my life to go. But then what happens along the way as you set the course of your life, you will be tempted tomorrow or Wednesday or Thursday to get off track. And that's where you make daily choices to come back to the direction that you had set for your life. Lord, I just want my life to be one of rejoicing in you, being gentle Remembering the Lord is near, and I don't want to be anxious. But each day I want to bring my life back on target. A second application. The items build upon one another. Start with rejoicing the Lord. Let your gentleness be evident. The Lord is near. And then do not be anxious. The resources needed to obey are overflowing through God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit. According to chapter 1, 6, 1, 9 through 11, 2, 1, 2, 5 through 11, 2, 12 and 13, 3, 7 through 10. We have what we need to live and to walk. For God's glory. So again, whatever may be in your mind, if something came to your mind as far as what you're anxious about, Lord, I'll rejoice in you. I'll be gentle. I'll accept the circumstance. I won't push it away. I won't fight it. Rather, I'll embrace it. The Lord is near. He's not distant. He's not far away. And then I'll take all these thoughts, all 160 of them, I'll collect them and I'll bind them together. And I'll talk to God about them. And then God will have to respond. (coughs) 
is something that we practice as a lifestyle. We may do well, and then we go into a deep struggle. What does he say? Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious. It's not something we make a choice, and it takes care of the rest of our life. Day by day, week by week, month by month, walking with God. As we think about the balance of the service, prayer corporately, not only individually, but also corporately, is important in Philippians 4, 4 through 7. He is writing to a body. And is it possible for the body to be anxious and worry and fret? And the body choosing together to rejoice, to let gentleness be evident, remembering the Lord is near, and then petitioning God. I think individually, but family, but also on a body level. Prayer is important. But as it relates to this passage too, singing, whether individually or as a body, we'll be singing as a body a little later again, is important in rejoicing in the Lord, letting gentleness be evident. Giving reminds us again that the Lord is in control. And then we'll be reading Scripture later. Scripture is so vital in rejoicing in the Lord, letting gentleness be evident, remembering the Lord is near and in prayer. So as we continue in worship, See each part of worship as being vital as we rejoice, letting our gentleness be evident, remembering the Lord is near, and not being anxious. Let's pray together.